0: What's up y'all? Dr. T Hassan Johnson Having a little bit of a sleepless night I thought, you know what, let me get up and record a video real quick Something on my mind anyway And um, shout out to my black geeks, y'all will understand When I tell you I'm on my vape pad shit right now So I figured I'd decide to address one of the questions That I've been seeing coming up a lot um, And that is the, you know, intra-racial hostility toward black men right now so much going on in the world Um, it's an interesting thing to see how much hatred is being spewed at black men uh, from within the black community uh, about things that we really can't control for that matter Uh, so I figured I'll do a video where I'll explain where this hatred is coming from and why okay I'm gonna put it into some context But to really kind of give us a framework of what we're dealing with right now, I mean, we got we're in a time period where, you know, again we're seeing more black men killed live on video. You know, big game hunting is 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 always in effect. It's 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 an American pastime for that matter, but it's still disheartening to anybody with a soul to watch to watch somebody just get shot or choked or you know killed right in front of you, especially if it's not even for a good reason, right? So, you know, um, then we get into all these discussions about who's worthy of being uh, empathized over and whether or not their backgrounds are perfect. And it's ridiculous. There are no perfect symbols. It is what it is. People are people. But I've not seen a reason yet where any of the men uh, that I'm going to be talking about, that, you know, had to die, deserve to die. Put it that way. But Anyway. And that that definitely goes for anybody that's been killed recently. But I'm specifically talking about bl- black men because we're afraid to. When we specifically address black men, we're shamed, we're silenced. And I'm going to discuss a few of the reasons why we need to push back against that. But nonetheless, you got um, you know, Amad Arbery, you got uh, Central Park Karen, you got uh, Breonna Taylor, you got I mean, there's so many different situations jumping off right now that it's it's just. Um, it's disheartening. And this is still in the midst of a pandemic and in the midst of a, a lessening quarantine. And so we don't know what the impact of that's gonna be, especially considering they can't even test with, the, with what's going on right now. And we haven't even gotten to the issue of whether or not uh, food distribution is gonna be impacting us partially because of some of the different things happening, right? But in the midst of all of this, we find out that uh, the results of Floyd's autopsy is they don't know officially what killed him. It suggests he had a pre-existing condition, right? Um, we're getting pushback that suggests that the officers are not going to cooperate, and you know, in, in in terms of what's going on, um, we're seeing massive uprisings slash riots happening across the country. I don't consider them all uprisings, uprisings because there are people who are uh, in there for different reasons. Some people are just blowing off steam from having been locked up for the last couple months. Some people are purposely there to serve as agent provocateurs and saboteurs, to be in there to, to disrupt what's going on and mislabel uh, many peaceful activists work as um, problematic. Right? Uh, so there's a lot of different motivations going on there. Uh, we also found out that uh, Floyd's killer may very well have known him. I guess they worked together uh, doing security um, They known him prior to that. So there may be a question of premeditated behavior on his part. Um, all of this is up in the air and undergirding all of it is over 43 million people uh, signing up for unemployment so we're in the midst of an extreme amount of chaos right now and what do I see crossing my social media as often as anything else the hatred toward black men I'm seeing messages that say everything from y'all niggas can't die fast enough to um, you know this kind of Push for political advancement and the centering of a black female VP candidate, um, just ignoring the fact that black men are right there voting for Democrats more than anybody except black women, right? So this is all of this happening, and I'm seeing these these tweets and messages coming up across my screen every day, and it's absolutely ridiculous, right? And so I figured I'll address some of that, especially in the face of these rebellions, because I remember, um, you know. It, it, having some discussions with a few other scholars a couple years ago and I was trying to talk about how um, protests are gendered in a very particular way and of course we only know how to talk about gendered as something that happens to women Um, but I was saying no it's actually a different a little different especially in the black community when you have protests going on in the black community when it's majority women um, there's a particular response When majority men or equal numbers of men show up at those protests, the police show up in armored gear. They show up in riot gear and they show up with military technology, right? You notice the difference. So when you're looking at the news and you're seeing all those police showing up in riot gear, just glance through the crowd and see if you see equal numbers of men. That's when they show up. And that's when the abuse levels get high. And you can go back to Ferguson. Hell, you can go back to the 1960s if you want to. When men show up, so does the military gear. And those are the things I want us to kind of bring to bear. Uh, but I remember having that debate with a member of Black Lives Matter, and she refused to even acknowledge that, you know. And I was saying, you really got to address the fact that if you're going to push uh, for gender, you got to think about men when it comes to gender and how men are adversely affected. But anyway, so let's get into it. Um, one of the things I think happens is that when it comes to issues uh, surrounding death, we tend to have a flat definition of blackness when it's something that involves men. Right. Where everybody begins to pull from the real estate of those deaths to use them for their own purposes. Men themselves don't even use it for our own purposes, but others do in the community. Right. But when the issues are specific to black women or anybody else, those issues are, are articulated as very specific. But not when it comes to black men. And if there is any outward statement about black men, it's like I said earlier, it's quickly shamed and silenced. So, but, so what we're looking at here is an attempt to make attention outweigh death. And this is why I've titled this Stop Playing With Black Male Death. It's not just about real estate. It's not just about or or equity, I should say, in terms of social equity. It's not just about uh, what kind of attention and resources you can get. And We'll get to that in a minute. I wanted to start out with some raw numbers that kind of give us a sense of why the issues that we talk about are centered on particular groups. right? So all in all, we talk about black men and women in the community. Roughly speaking, there's about one to two million more black women than men. You know, just across the board Those numbers really, uh, you know, start out even in childhood But by the time you get to the teen years You start to see the disparity And a lot of that has to do with death Right, a lot of it has to do with death Uh, When you talk about LGBT uh, Because these are the two groups I'm really interested in at this moment Because those are the groups I'm seeing these negative kinds of statements coming from Regarding black men, activism, social issues, so on and so forth Gary J. Gates of UCLA's Williams Institute, which is like a think tank that specializes in law and public policy related to sexual orientation, and he's co author of the Gay and Lesbian Atlas. He and Judy Bradford, uh, director of the Center for Population Research and LGBT Health, a number of years ago uh, engaged in a study to actually count the number of LGBT uh, here in the United States. And despite the popular 10% used, uh, really, which comes out of Dr. Alfred Kinsey's work and the Kinsey Institute, um, they actually found that the percentage is about 3.8% all in all. And that, that applies to lesbian, gay, bi, and trans groups all together. So out of 328 million Americans, that's roughly about 9 million, right? And in the black community, that comes out to about 1.6 million. So you got a, you got a fairly small population that uh, for the most part uh, we're hearing are supposed to Um, die at the highest rates and so on and so forth. So you get these all these debates back and forth. But I just wanted to put some numbers to it. So you have Black women is the largest group. Black men is a slightly smaller group by a couple million. And then you have LGBTs, which are down to like 1.6, roughly in the Black community. Now, let's get to the major issue. The percentage of people killed, or the numbers of people killed by the police, right? And then we can talk a little bit about uh, homicide in general in the Black community. number of people killed by police, on average... When it comes to black women, you're talking about six to 12 per year by police, at least according to The Guardian and according to The Washington Post. If you look at The Guardian's The Counted website and go to The Washington Post's fatal force um, pages, you can actually count and you can actually see the names and faces of the victims who've died over the years. But between 2015 and 2019, it's an average of six to about 13 um, black women, right? For black men it's a little different it ranges from 214 to 295 so roughly you could say two to three hundred per year black men killed by police right um as far as what we know Uh, with in regard to trans in the past eight years or so they found that there's an average of about 20 to 30 murdered trans folk per year and that's across race in the united states but they do say that they're mostly black they're mostly under 30 um you know nearly 60 percent of their killings take place in the south you're talking about the bible belt and also um the home of what we know to be american racism so that's at play and uh the majority that are are killed tend to have been born, born biologically male uh, some reports suggest that they mostly were involved in the sex industry. That's about 13 to 36 percent in the U.S., 61 percent globally. Right? Only three percent um, are killed by police initiated homicides, about three percent. So out of that 20 to 30, three percent are actually killed by cops. So when you hear people say, well, why do we, when we're talking about police brutality or police homicide? You know, why do we keep talking about black men? You know, black men take up too much space. They're privileged because they take up too much space when we talk about police initiated murders. That's why, right? You have a fairly low number uh, of other groups in terms of the groups that are are barking the most. That's just not the numbers that they yield. And so there tends to be some frustration. I'm going to talk about why in a little bit. Um, So you got 3% killed by police homicide. And that's according to uh, the paper, the national epidemic, fatal anti-transgender violence in the U S in 2019. Um, you do have cases like uh, the, the uh, Tony McDade, who died a few days ago. This was a trans man, meaning he was born uh, biologically female, um, but was perceived as a black male, right, and was unjustly killed uh, for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. But all in all, nine out of 10 victims tend to be trans women and those who are born biologically male, right? Um, I particularly call this anti-black uh, phallophobia, right? The fear of the black male phallus, not only resulting in a fear of straight cisgender men, but all biologically born black and male. This also refers to black male to female trans women, based on the idea that if born black and male, one remains a sexual threat to women. For black female to male trans men, as they call them, they are often perceived as a threat because they appear to be biologically male. In 2016, for example, if you look at the restroom access laws debates, right, all these debates about which gender should be, in, be able to enter which bathrooms and the whole question of trans people going into bathrooms. Nobody was afraid of biologically born females who, who become male and walk into male bathrooms. They were principally afraid of those who are biologically male going into female bathrooms. And the, and the whole conversation kept coming around again and again to rape. Right. So it's interesting to see, even when you talk about trans issues, there is a specific thread that stays on masculinity and maleness. There's a specific thread. It's really not masculinity. It's maleness. There's a specific thread. So those born male who regard themselves as female are still considered a threat to women and girls. Those who are born female and regard themselves as male tend to be accosted because they're seen as male. So this interesting response to maleness permeates even through this trans experience, right? Um, so something to keep up, you could check an article by Tom, time.com, came out May 2nd, 2016, that talked about allowing transgender people to use restrooms that align with their gender identity. And, um, you know, would that allow male sexual predators to enter women's bathrooms? That was the narrative they took. So that tells you a lot. Um, so anyway... Uh, the other reason aside from the numbers the low numbers of women that are killed by cops the low numbers of, of trans who are killed by cops and we don't know as far as gay and bi because at the end of the day as long as they present themselves in, in a manner consistent with their you know represented gender uh it could be anybody but again we know that only 3.8 percent of the population according to ucla is is gay bi and trans and 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 les so The percentage of those killed by cops are going to be relatively low across the board. But the other the third reason that they're that black males are focused upon when it comes to police killings is many of our killings, you know, show up um, in recordings, videotape, you know, showing my age videotape, but in video. And so you're actually watching these men die, especially for nothing, whether they're perfect men or not, doesn't matter. Most of the time we're seeing men die for nothing, nothing they've actually done. Nothing illegal. And yet we we watch them leave. We watch them take their last breath. So that's another reason that that tends to happen. Um, But I take the discussion further uh, because when we talk about black deaths, you know, we don't need to leave it at just police killings. There are other aspects of this discussion that do require some attention. You know, uh, if we go to the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention Uh, excuse me, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the National Center for Health Statistics that uh, data sets, what we find in terms of the top 10 causes of death is that black males between 1999 and 2018 die in higher numbers than black females in every five year period from early gestation to 85 plus years old. So what am I saying? I'm saying from in the womb until the over 85 years old, in every five year increment from zero to 85 plus, black males die at a, in higher numbers than black females across each age group. They die to higher rates from everything from uh, unintentional injury, which can involve workplace injuries uh, to homicides, to suicides across the board. And by the time they begin to hit their mid thirties, they're dying of heart disease at much higher numbers. And this is across the board. So again, we want to talk about why we, why do we talk about black males? Cause they're dying more and there are lesser of them, fewer of them. And yet they're dying more. And so often I'll see articles that will actually pose the question, well, what's going on? Why are, you know, black males missing? Why are they dying? But then in the article itself, and sometimes even in the title. The subject isn't even about them dying or missing. The subject is about how there's not enough mates for black women. Right? So that's the discussion. She doesn't have enough people to date. He's dead. And no discussion as to why. Why are black males dying at every age level across the board in terms of the top 10 causes of death? Nobody wants to talk about that. We will sooner discuss how this inconveniences children that don't have fathers who are alive women who don't have anyone to date or marry and it's not that those things aren't important it's simply that we're going to make attention to other things outweigh death and then fight over which deaths should be important so black male deaths are important enough to basically be used for uh, political advancement by other groups but other than that they should be ignored and we should really just focus on how their deaths inconvenience others right these are the kind of things I have a problem with um One of the things I wanted to get at is the kind of method that's taken when it comes to black men who've been killed. Political methods used, um, particularly by black feminist organizations, in regard to uh, how they how they politically invoke their narrative and how they engage in this kind of battle uh, for a particular type of attention. And there are five steps that I say play out in this drama when it comes to black men dying. Now, this is something we started to see right after the death of Trayvon Martin, um, especially by the time we got to Michael Brown. Uh, we have Black Lives Matter in full flow. They had their method down. As you know, I've, I've interviewed uh, Ferguson residents and they talked about the way BLM came in and absorbed the conversation, shifted it. Well, that's become a well-oiled machine. And although we haven't seen much from BLM in that last uh, since Trump was elected, uh, they've come back out. But let's look at the methods because it's not just them. It's other groups as well. Some of smaller groups, not as well known, but they have the same method. Right? The first step is they focus on black male deaths. Right? When the deaths happen, they're out there. They're on the news, they're on social media, and they're out on the streets. And it, it's seemingly focused on the deaths of people um, who were unjustly killed. Then there's a bait and switch that kind of happens. right? The discussion Accuses everyone, but most particularly black males, for ignoring women, LGBTs, and every other group you can think of. Somehow this becomes black males' fault, right? The bait and switch kind of happens. So you get so that the, the, there's you know attention on somebody who's died, and then in the midst of grabbing the mic to talk about that, there's a switch on how we need to be talking about other issues, right? And somehow, kind of subtly blaming black men for this dynamic. Third. They start doing this strange kind of deceptive naming of the dead, and you'll see this in a number of commercials and interviews, right? Where they'll name off people who've been killed, and they'll go male, female, male, female, and they'll kind of stop there. And what that, when I say deceptive, the reason that's a problem is because it kind of really doesn't show us the numbers. So, like I said, if you say you that if you, if you say there's about nine to thirteen odd black women killed per year, two to three hundred black men killed per year. Uh, The complaint I've heard most is, well, people can name four or five black men from the last five years, but they can't name any black women. But at the same time, the problem with that dynamic is you're talking about, if you say five years, you're talking about anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 black men who have been killed in that time period. They remember four. At the same time, if you're talking about nine to 12, you're talking about a very small number of people. In other words, uh, when it comes to police homicide. What we're saying is that Black male death is far more the norm and other groups based on the statistics are the exception. This is one of the reasons why it's not the same kind of dialogue because by and large this doesn't happen to other groups to the extent that it does to Black males. That's part of the problem and as inconvenienced as some are by those realities, it is the reality but the kind of representation of the naming of certain folks it belies the details it belies the context it belies the realities behind how many people actually die at the hands of the police or vigilantes for that matter right so you kind of equal the playing field to make that okay now on the surface sounds real petty for me to even say that but here's the thing you don't see that with other issues about two to four percent of black men have breast cancer nobody says breast cancer should be a universal issue when you talk about breast cancer in the black community, it's defined as strictly a black female issue. Why? Because over 98% of the people with breast cancer in the black community are women. Nobody cares about equaling that discussion out. When I hear people talk about single parenthood, nobody ever brings up single black fathers. And I am one. Never. But somehow, when it comes to black male issues, there's an in, kind of an embedded shaming tactic for actually talking about black males who suffer most from it but not when it comes to others, depending on what the issue is. So that becomes a problem, right? The fourth step I tend to notice happens is that they begin to center on the deceased's, the deceased's mother uh, or wives or daughters, depending on his age. If he's young, it's his mother. If he's a little bit older, it might be his wife or his daughter. And that's if he's married, of course. And so what that does is they end up kind of downplaying and ignoring, you know, black fathers in particular, but black males, other black male family members. I remember this took place when the last, I think it was the last one of the, one of the last democratic conventions when they brought out the mothers of the movement, there was no attention to the fathers. It was almost like the fathers didn't exist because we don't know how to empathize with men. We don't empathize with fathers, we empathize with mothers. So the fathers could be effectively erased from the discussion, even if they've been active parents, stepfathers included, grandfathers, uncles, brothers, sons, not a part of the discussion. You will very rarely see male family members as centered in the discussion about how the deaths of black men impact their family, then from there, once the centering shifts to mothers, wives, or daughters, the whole issue is reframed from black male death to black female loss. Right, and that's when we get to step five. When you start to talk about securing philanthropic resources, donations, whether they be from everyday pe- people on social media uh, who are sending money through Cash App or uh you know whatever else you know um uh go fund me or whatnot those resources go into the coffers of those who are well organized well structured have their 501c3s in place and nine times out of ten that those aren't the grassroots people who just lost the family member right so these kind of nonprofit, you know industrial complex you know folk come in just like they did in ferguson and they begin to absorb the resources and then from there, you'll notice that their mission statements very rarely center black males, if at all. They rarely have anything about their organization that targets black males. But they, in fact, target groups that are explicitly non black male very purposely. And so the, fil- the kind of philanthropic resources kind of get switched in that discussion. And it becomes extremely problematic for the families of those who are trying to survive after having lost a significant loved one. Right. And this becomes the kind of way uh, that black males become a political football, you know, for other groups. Now, to answer the central question, why do they hate love our deaths? Why do they hate love our deaths? Well, at the end of the day, it's because we die more and that disrupts their security. There's them securing funding. It disrupts their securing resources. They can't claim to be. Uh, the most, uh, you know, damaged or victimized group based on the data, right? So we're talking about federal and private grants. You know, we're talking about, you know, like I said, donation monies, uh, you know, opportunities for organization buildings to come out and speak, all those kind of things. All of that gets disrupted when you get down to it by the fact that black men die more. So you have to bait and switch the discussion to, to to basically excise black men from the discourse and center it on other groups in the name of blackness, pro-blackness at that, right? In the name of doing so, we have to kind of... We, and, and so that's how that kind of works. And that's what I meant earlier when I say we have a flat blackness when it comes to black male death. When it comes to issues that are very explicitly black female or or, or any other demographic, but especially black female... There are no men allowed in the room. Right? It is principally fixed on most particularly women. And this is one of the things I noticed. And, and LGBTs, for that matter, as well. They're welcome in that discourse. But you can't center heterosexual Black men, even if they're dying at the highest numbers. Right? So that tends to be one of the biggest frustrations and one of the reasons why Black males, particularly heterosexual Black males, are hated most when it comes to these kind of issues that we're seeing with Ahmaud Arbery or George Floyd, right? Because it makes it difficult for other groups to kind of claim center attention when it comes to get grabbing resources. And this doesn't mean that their issues and experiences are unimportant. It doesn't. It just means that the issues and experiences that they have and suffer from the most don't grab and shock people and don't garner as much of attention as black male deaths or incarceration. And somehow that becomes black men's fault. We get accused of being privileged and excluding other people from the discourse, but we don't control the discourse. We're not even the most interviewed about our own deaths. We're not. So that's an interesting kind of dynamic that plays out. The second thing, as far as why they hate, love our deaths, is because in the not last number of years, um, the black electoral presence has been shifted very much so, in the last few decades, actually, uh, to black women. Black women are the emerging leading group coming out as far as electoral representation. And this recent push we heard of a number of weeks ago, where you have black women pressuring Biden and demanding a black female VP, as if Obama somehow represented African-American men, um, the, the argument was made that it's, it's time, right? So what we're seeing uh, is a very particular political coup that's taking place, where you have black women mobilizing within the Democratic Party and trying to seize power. And in, in these kind of instances, often doing so on the backs of dead black men, incarcerated black men. And some are doing so with a respect to those black men. Some don't give a damn. We're just cannon fodder to their advancement. Same like we're seeing with Me Too. That's very that's very much a feminist grab for power. Well, on the backs of that, riding that wave, you have black women, um, or black feminists, I should say, uh, in particular, who are trying to use those deaths to, to do that. Use it as an opportunity for political advancement. right? And I think that's what's happening. So the VP position is just the latest more overt statement made but there's been an ongoing push even go back going back to the death of Trayvon Martin to advance a very particular political cadre of highly educated black feminists into a space where they can operationalize their approach and politicize it right again pulling from that social equity of black male death for their own benefits and then in doing so you know, uh, galvanize women. So you're using those black male deaths to pull from, like I said, the mothers of the movement, and then you're pulling from these educated women, and there's this overt kind of coup that's taking place, right? So at the end of the day, I wanted to just kind of put some context to why there's so much vitriol, why there's so much hatred directed at black men who, in many ways, are not in a position to control the discourse, who are not in a position to, to, to eliminate anyone from the discourse, but are simply dying in greater numbers, or more vulnerable to other social conditions, many of which are environmental. Because even if we talk about things like the high level, the high homicide rates that we've seen with black males, where from 1999 to 2017, you're talking about over 145,000 males who've been killed by homicide. Well, the environmental conditions that produce that, the context for it, we don't have a discussion for. right. So, At the end of the day, I hope that um, some of this may have uh, inspired some thought. Please support my show, The Onyx Report. You go on Patreon, Cash App, PayPal. uh, Support that so I can keep producing the content that uh, will give you some opportunities to kind of see outside of what's presented in popular media and on social media. As far as what's really going on with black males, what we're experiencing and what we're often not being told and not allowed to say. All right. Peace.